Hello and welcome to another episode of the Non-Victim Nation podcast. Uh, I am here with Hunter and our guest today is Nate Jones, also known as Doc Nate Jones, or at least that's how it's listed on the Instagram. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, I don't want to talk about you instead of letting you talk about yourself. So could you give us like some kind of background about where you started, where you came from, that kind of thing? Who yeah. are you? What do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are you and where are you from? Why are you here? Yeah. Uh, it's 10 times easier when uh, you just talk about me. This is like, it's funny. My uh, my intro ch- probably changes every single class I do. It all depends oh. on like what, uh, like how in depth, you know what I mean? And, and so like, especially or the worst thing I've ever had to do was write one out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and it was the, hey, you know, make sure you don't leave anything out or like mm-hmm. leave stuff in there. And it was like, oh my gosh, man, this is, <laughs> it, it was funny. I mean, like, and it, it sucks on the outside, but mm-hmm. in, the, in the military, like if you're ever doing like a, um, like a promotion board, uh-huh. right. As mm-hmm. like the, you know, that comes up and like, yeah. oh my gosh, man, you could be, you could do the most piddly fucking thing. Mm-hmm. But on a promotion board, it was like life changing, groundbreaking, alter, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, like you are trying to sell the shit out of yourself, right? And uh, that didn't feel wrong at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you were just like, oh no, this this is just this is the game that we play, right? But now on the outside, and I'm having to like do introductions, or even like you again going to a, like a medical class or something, mm-hmm. and uh, then you show up. I'm like, most people again like know who uh, who Mike is, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. different people, right? But they show up to a field craft class, mm-hmm. not knowing who to expect. And then from the get go, I'm like, all right, well, yeah, I mean, I've, um, I'm Nate, you know, I'm, I was combat medic in the army uh-huh. and, uh, yeah, so let's talk about, you know, let's talk about things anyways. And, uh, so deciding how much depth to go into or whatever right. is always like a, anyways, talking about myself is awkward. So anyways, <laughs> with that, with that out of the way and being said, right. Is, um. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I've been a combat medic since uh, since 2007. I'm still technically um, in the reserves. Okay. But um, yeah, so I, I I got my wish. It's like I, when I joined the army, it, I was 18, straight out of high school, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'll go in, I'll go, you know, go to war for four, you know, be, do a four year gig, go to war, come home, be a fireman, whatever, and then now, you know, a decade, more than a decade later, I was still hanging out. So, mm-hmm. um, but lots of great experiences. Um, I think I got. I got super lucky with good experience and I got even luckier with, with good mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, got my wish. I went straight to an infantry unit, infantry battalion and got to have, uh, nice. that experience kind of raised as a combat medic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, a lot of people aren't that, you know, like that lucky they go, they get stuck in a, uh, in a brigade support battalion or, mm-hmm. um, in a hospital or different things. So anyways, getting to go do the combat medic stuff. Uh, my first mentor, I mean, I had a lot, lots of them, but, um, our PA was a, you know, was a special forces medic, 18 Delta. And then he, uh, wouldn't became a PA was a PA in the Ranger battalion before he came to us. And so super, super knowledgeable dude and helped from, uh, from the ground up kind of just conceptualize all the stuff that I would do. So then I, uh, went to Iraq with those, with uh third infantry division, got to have a cool, cool experience with them. And then, uh, then I went into a hospital unit, which was a death sentence, in terms of like, like a com- no combat medic wants to go to the hospital. Like that's who we make fun of all day right. long. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, like those poor bitches, <laughs> you know, you nice. know, like they're not even in the army. Way to take you the know. combat out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, but then, so then what's funny is like, that's what the first, that's what, you know, you get there and that's what the first little bit was like. And then like mm-hmm. all of the, the combat arms, people kind of gravitate towards each other. But the reason I went there was because it was in Hawaii. Oh, nice. Yeah. So right dude, on. the first year that I was there, 
I kind of had that like mentality and mm-hmm. I was, you know, super hua and doing all the things. And then like halfway through it, I started to kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, why, why am I doing, I, I, why am I doing so much army stuff? Cause I, I went to a clinic. It was fun. We, um, it was like an emergency room, mm-hmm. but it was a cute care clinic. So we like opened and closed, which was awesome. Cause then our hours are set mm-hmm. and we had a Panama schedule. So it's, you know, uh, working stuff. Seven out of fourteen days, mm-hmm. half the month off, and even then we were breaking down our shifts to like have half days. Mm-hmm. So, tons and tons of time. And then I was like, "Wait a second, I'm working like a quarter of the month, and those guys in the line units are like in the field for the next three weeks, working twenty four hours a day." I'm like, "This being in the line kind of sucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's kind of <laughs> shitty." Yeah. I was like, "Dude." That guy, he's got to go eat MREs. Like we went to fucking, we went to Chick Fil A for lunch. You know? <laughs> like, like, gosh, damn it! You know, like that dude. That dude's, uh, you know, he he's digging a hole and sleeping in the ground. Like I get to go home, sleep in my bed. You know, he right. get, he's hoping he has cell phone service to freaking uh, to talk to his wife. Like I get to go home and have sex with mine. I was like, dude, this is wait. Why would I? Right. Why would I do? Anyways. Um, working in that acute care clinic was super cool because it, it got treated like an emergency room. So people would bring us all kinds of ridiculous stuff that had no business being an emergency room or being an acute care clinic. Okay. Um, acute care is like a, it's supposed to be like an urgent care, right? right. You come in, you know, you've had the sniffles or you got a boo-boo and we'll, we'll fix you up. Um, that's not where you deliver your baby, right. but people will still show up. That's not where you show up when you've been, you know, stabbed or, you know, whatever ridiculous mm-hmm. thing. And, but that's what we had. And then uh, that clinic, we also, they were doing uh, ambulance care for mm-hmm. the North Shore of the island. So then it um, it was fun. Anyways, that's when I like branched away from trauma because being a combat medic was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and really getting to see more medicine experience-wise. Um, the very first time they had me like do an IV on, on, a, on an infant, they're like, oh, you good, you good with the blood draw and exam too? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, sure. You know, like hot, you know, shit hot combat medic over here. I, right. I got you. They're like, yeah, it's on a, like, a, I was like, they gave me the chart. I'm like, this is a, this is a three-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what am I, <laughs> what do I do, little, what do, I do with my hands? Yeah. I was like, right. yeah. Anyway, so uh, super fun helming experiences. Lots of, uh, lots of cool mentors. Uh, same place again. Mm-hmm. Um, then anyways, it was like back to a line unit, back into the hospital. Um, when I finally got sent, I went from paradise to purgatory. I went from Hawaii to El Paso, Texas. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, that's quite a change. Oh, right yeah. There. Oh, gosh. I left kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, anyways, uh, then, uh, yeah, I got to do super fun stuff. I mean, working, working at like, uh, just dif- different division postings. I got to see the army from lots of different levels, even mm-hmm. for, um, for only being a staff sergeant. Uh, it was, it was pretty cool. And then the last thing I got to do, though, which was really probably what set me up for what I'm doing now, uh, was I got to do, like combat medic sustainment. So it's like, it's, it's technically teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, what's fun is it's, it's not like, I'm not teaching brand new com, you know, baby combat medics who are just coming into the right. army. Um, it's doing like recertification for the medics that are already in. Mm-hmm. So some of those, you know, are, are they, maybe they've been in the hospital and they have little, to no experience or super specialized or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are other people like me that had been to a ton of units, tons of places. Some people have been more units, more places, done a whole hell of a lot more than me and being able to like, siphon out all of that wisdom was huge. Um, 
watching, getting, like getting to stand up in the tower and watching combat medic after combat medic come and test on the same problems, the same solutions. Like the, that was like the control, right? Was the, was mm -hmm. the patients, the casualties, mm -hmm. and then like watching all of these, these different solutions to the same problem or mm -hmm. similar problems really gave me a, a super good insight to like how we're raised as combat medics, kind of the culture that we have different, mm -hmm. you know, I had been in all the different units, so I knew how people kind of operated. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, is, uh, you know, you don't really know anything well enough until, until you have to teach it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so that was the fun part about that job specifically was like, sure, I'd had plenty of experience, but how well could I, um, how well could I distill concepts mm -hmm. and be able to hand it down to somebody else who, um, you know, I like who, who, who could need that stuff? That that's what right. I've, there's, you know, every, I mean, most jobs I think I've had, I feel like I've taken relatively seriously. Um, the first, like our first platoon motto, you know, excuse me for our, uh, infantry platoon was like, we bury our mistakes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's like it, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it hit home. I mean, especially because like, dude, when I was going through like combat medic school, I was an eighteen year old kid. So right. I um, I failed the national registry the first time. I had to take it twice. Okay. I freaking I would like we'd sit through classes. I would go back to my bunk. I would hang out for a little bit. I'd walk across the street to the shop at, buy two bags of fun size Kit, Kit Kat bars, walk back across the street mm -hmm. and I'd just watch movies. And, okay. I, and that was like, I'm just, I'm in the army now and I'm just hanging out. Yeah. Um, but then I got to my unit and then uh, the mentors at my unit were like, it started grilling me on things. Again, mm -hmm. the motto was we bury our mistakes. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. And, and I was terrified. I was terrified, heaven forbid. Somebody would, you know, I would lose somebody because, because I wasn't ready, because I wasn't spun up, because of something that I could have easily known or trained for or whatever the case was. And so that put me on a strong trajectory. Um, and then, you know, fast forward that all the way to, um, to teaching mm -hmm. before I left. It's like a lot of the medics, because the, uh, most of the people had not had experience, you know, by this time it's, it's. You know, uh, Iraq is gone. Afghanistan is winding down. There's like one-offs in, mm -hmm. you know, um, in Africa or different places. But um, not a ton of people had experience. And so then it became, you know, I was like one of a handful of, of staff sergeants, like small unit leaders that are like that actually have some experience are mm -hmm. surrounded by a whole bunch of other staff sergeants that have none. Right. And so um, teaching became my like my way to uh, – to leave the army better than I found it. Okay. You know, sense. and I had no idea what, what the medics that I was like teaching, what they were going to experience. And even then, <clears throat> even if it wouldn't be them, like they were going to be small unit leaders very soon. And who, like what kind of medics were they going to be raising? Mm -hmm. So anyways, it was just uh, my best opportunity before I left to try to influence culture, to try to, right. to, you know, ha handle my own little small piece of, of mm -hmm. what I could. So I'm sure that you're familiar with Jocko Willick. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I've heard him talk at different points about how, you know, when we went into uh, the war, the, the, the most combat people or the most combat proficient people, their training came from Vietnam. Right. And so their, their, their whole where they were and their, and their learning curve and how they adapted to where they had to be 
there was a huge generation in between those two things, right? And so he wanted to make sure that when he left, he he started training the new SEALs and how to deal with like combat and things at the level that they were experiencing so that they, just like you, so that he could leave it in a better place than it was when he, than when he left, you know, or when he got there. Um, so that makes perfect sense. It was, it um, was in that same job yeah. that uh, I was reading a Tim Ferriss book, mm-hmm. uh, Tools for Titans, mm-hmm. or, or maybe, uh, yeah, Tools for Titans, anyways, <clears throat> that I found Jocko. And so it was fun again to to listen to him kind of give those examples of training. And it was mm-hmm. like, I, I already had that like, hey, man, I don't know what guys down the road are going to be dealing with and I can prepare mm-hmm. them as best as I can. But then um, some of those concepts that he got to distill mm-hmm. um, were were super helpful for me in a training position to be able to do the exact same thing. And so teaching and training just got even more fun for me right? Um, to be able to do it. I actually like, it was the same thing in that job. I, uh, this might piss a few people off, but I, in that job, I was able to, we had a, like a TDY, like a travel budget. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Jocko has the, the, the musters yeah. that he does. Right. Yeah. There's the musters. And then there was the roll call. Mm-hmm. And the roll call is specifically for like first responders, military, you know, whatever. Right. right. And uh, so I 100% was like, "Hey, this is uh, this is super important that uh, yeah, that is. we as instructors go to this muster because mm-hmm. you know we're going to have to take this wisdom, bring it back." And anyway, mm-hmm. so that's how I got to on the army's dime go. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Go hang out and meet Jocko, and yeah, yeah it was cool. So uh, it's funny that you say that too because the I heard Jocko on Tim Ferriss. That was the first podcast he'd ever done, that interview. Um, and I remember being so intrigued by Jocko and how serious he was. Like the first time I, I listened to it and then I went back and listened to it again later, I just remember thinking that it, it was not dark, but it was just really serious, just the gravity of everything he was talking about, you know, and, and right. you know, his concern that he wasn't always going to be there to lead the men and take care of the, you know his unit and that kind of thing. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. And then we actually had an opportunity to meet Jocko when uh, he was doing a book signing in San Diego. And so we're currently here in Chandler, Arizona. We literally drove all the way to San Diego, hung out till he was ready and like did the book signing, shook his hand, had uh, had like probably a five, 10 minute conversation with him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then literally got in the car and drove back the same day. Nice. You know, because it was that important. And I really wanted to have that opportunity just to like talk to him even for a few minutes. And if nothing else, just thank him and say, you know, that what you're doing, whether he wants to admit it or not, or if he even realizes that he is in, he is influencing an entire generation of people. And I think that's incredible. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, it, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool to see how many people that maybe don't, don't find it initially, but then how many people gravitate towards it because it, it ultimately comes down to, it's like a. Uh, it's something that he's putting out there, but it really comes down to like values, you know, like mm-hmm. what do you value? And then it, so then that's how, again, like tons of like-minded people mm-hmm. find each other, um, you know, troopers in the wild, you know, right. be, you know, being able to, to rally around the same things, or, which even then just creates like, a, it creates a gang of accountability. Right. You know, mm-hmm. even if, uh, even if really nobody's watching, it's like, yeah, but but somehow they know. Right. You know, they know. <laughs> cool thing with Jocko, um, yeah. same thing, kind of like finding him, finding his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave like the intro and then the, the very first book that he talks about all the time mm-hmm. that I think is the first one he reviewed on the podcast is uh, called About Face. Right. 
which uh, was a huge thing for me because uh, when I was in, and I, so in 2007 is when I graduated, was when I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my 12th grade economics teacher, Mr. Sanders, who also has a podcast, um, <laughs> he, um, he gave me that book as a gift. You know, he knew, oh, wow. you know, like he talked about, he would ask me tough questions and that's really, really you know, like, like, why do you want to go to the military? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, and even, you know, even talking about things of, you know, patriotism or duty or anything, some of these, right. you know, and it would challenge some of these like super core fundamental things. And then he gave me that book. It's, it's still on my bookshelf today. Um, he wrote another book called Steal My Soldier's Hearts, which is like a super segment of, of his Vietnam experience, which is also really good. Mm-hmm. But, um, about face was like super formative for me. It was, you know, his, uh, right. uh Hackworth's whole, like his personality, his approach, his, you know, all the things. And what's fun is it outlines all of his experiences and why he kind of turned out the way that he did. Right. Um, and, and so anyways, it was, it was cool to then find Jocko somewhat interested in the podcast, but it was the way that he talked about, like about face, mm-hmm. a book that I had actually written by pure happenstance. It's like, no one else knows of this book. Right. I'd never even knew that. You know, it was like this most obscure thing my economics teacher could give me. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was the way he talked about about face that I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm bought in. Right. You know, and then uh, to keep, you know, burning through the podcast. It took me like a year and a half, I think, to finally get caught up. But, yeah, it took yeah. me quite a while, too, because we listened to him talk on Tim Ferriss, and then I didn't realize he had done another one on Joe Rogan, and from there he started his own. So he was already like, 20 some odd episodes in to the podcast before I caught up. It's like, oh, so I just burned through them just like one right after the other and listened all the way, you know, until I got caught up. Oh, yeah, dude. He was, uh, he was, he was at like 90 something when I, you know, when I, wow. Cause I remember, I remember when he did his like 100th, I think, with Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. It was kind of a big thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I was like, I was listening to old episodes to move forward and then the new one would drop and I would listen to the new one and then go back to the old ones to try (laughs) to catch up in time. Yeah. But to stay, you know, try to Mm -hmm. stay current. But yeah, cool stuff, man. I, uh, um, again, I, I love stuff like this long form discussion podcasts in general. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's, uh, uh, I got into a super big accident and then had never listened to a podcast in my entire life. I really didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then a buddy of mine, who's a, who's a ER doc in, in El Paso, buddy of mine drove two and a half hours to come freaking pick me up wow. and then bring me and my son back home. And over those two and a half hours, we listened to, uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history. Oh, nice. And ever since then, I've been like. I'm an mm-hmm. addict. I'm a fiend. Uh, right. And whatever podcast I can find, you know. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I think Tim Ferriss was the first podcast that I listened to with any kind of regular. I'd heard other podcasts, but they were more like on the side of like gaming or something like that. Yeah. Not serious stuff. I listened to Tim Ferriss and because I had read The 4-Hour Workweek um, and I was just really enamored with that whole thought process of like, you don't always have to do everything the way that's always been done. Oh, yeah. You know, you can break out of that and find better ways you know, which the pandemic was a great example of that. You know, how many things have changed just because we figured out you don't have to go to your job place every day. You can still figure out a way to get shit done. Yeah. You know, so the, but that aside, um, listening from there, I, I got onto Joe Rogan, but his was more sporadic just because um, I wasn't familiar with a lot of the people that he talked to. Right. But always just kind of kept listening to more and more podcasts. And now I listen to like probably 10 of them. Yeah. You know, um, but Joe Rogan is probably the one I listen to most consistently. Jocko, um, Jack Carr, uh, Cameron Haynes has got his own podcast now that he's doing consistently. So that's really cool. Um, and the, the other big thing about that is that, like I said, when I listened to that podcast, that was shortly after we moved here to Arizona. 
um, it was just Hunter and I, we decided that we wanted to get as far away from rain as possible, so we left Washington State, moved here. Right on. And after listening to that podcast, and that put me on a path that led to all kinds of other things. It, it, uh, that's how I discovered Cameron Haynes and Fieldcraft Survival and Warrior Poet Society and like just all of these other things. Um, the ideas and, and the ethics around hunting and why that's important, you know, uh, learning all of the skills and things that you need to like to survive, you know, and how much of that has been lost over the generations because life here has just gotten too easy. You know, everybody, you know, thinks, well, when I'm hungry, I'll just go to the store. Or I'll just go to someplace where I'll have somebody deliver it to my house. It's like that isn't always going to be the way. It wasn't always the way, and it, you know, there's going to come a time when it isn't again, you know. When I walked into the grocery store when the first when the pandemic first hit and there was literally no food on any of the shelves, that was the scariest fucking thing I'd ever seen, you know. And fortunately, it only lasted for a few days. But it's like if you if you don't pay attention to that and start thinking we got to do something different because that could happen again, and chances are it will, you know. Um, I'm so happy that I discovered those things and that put me on the on the path of thinking the way that I do, and that's why we decided to do this podcast, is to help other people kind of break out of that mindset of just because something, this is the way things are, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. And so I'm really happy to have you here because you have a set of experiences and you and you teach these things to people so that they can be better prepared, right? Um, and I know that Hunter had a, had a question about kind of, well, a couple of things, but I'll let you go ahead. Um, as far as like, uh, people like, okay, so you can go to a class and you can learn, you know, basic stuff, you know, like stop the bleed or, or whatever those kinds of things are. But how do you go from that to being completely prepared for whatever, you know, other things that might come up? I think for me, it's like, it's one thing to know how to stop a bleed. Right. But Mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily the only uh, you know, life or death medical situation that one could find themselves in. So it's like, are are there, is there like like a set of pillars of what I will call um, everyday emergency medical knowledge? Um, so like, you know, for instance, at work in corrections, uh, like, let's say one of the inmates, you know, falls off the top bunk, like there's, he's falling straight down onto a fucking concrete floor. Um, so you got to like be very aware of, you know, head injuries, you know, anything going on with the spine. Um, but that's just just another kind of thing to watch out for, I guess. Um, so are there those sort of key points, like fundamentals, I guess, for everyday medical knowledge? Yeah. Um, I, that's, that's kind of the hard part sometimes with, uh, with med is it is, it's super broad, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, like the, the number of ways that people can get hurt are, uh, are wild, um, and, you know, innumerable really. Uh, and then, and then that's, that's like trauma. That's, that's, mm-hmm. you know, one category. And then when you add the medical emergencies that are, um, uh, you know, on top of that, it gets even crazier. Uh, but somehow we manage, you know, it, it just, it's, it's, a, it's a testament to the fact that like, Hey, you actually, you can do a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of a fun part about how we, again, distilling down concepts and trying to, um, teach things like our trauma class, for example, that's a, that is a, you know, if we're going to teach, let's say a comp, you know, I went to, to medic school for, mm-hmm. for 16 weeks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, 
take a combat hour combat lifesaver class in the military that's a 40-hour course um that now we're distilling down to you know nine to four with an hour lunch right you know inside of a day you know and so what is the what's the reasonable expectation that you can get somebody in that small amount of time and uh, i was having a conversation about this the hard part is um specificity right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and because everyone's got ideas um, and that's kind of like that's what makes and that's not a, it's not a it's not a bad thing i say this all the time like like almost everything's good but it's um like what's true is what's useful and mm-hmm. and so what i try to narrow that down to is what's the expectation mm-hmm. you know like so uh like our trauma class for example um you know i think how i i think about how i want someone to leave leave the class mm-hmm. feeling a better understanding of what they're getting themselves into you know, their expectations kind of managed, leaving with a knowledge of the common equipment, mm-hmm. you know, typically those are going to buy, um, familiarity with being able to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the entire, like in what context of like, Hey, um, them having a plan, sure. I guess. Right. And that plan is probably the most important part, um, which is, you know, a patient assessment, but it's, so then when I, when I decide how I want you to leave there, um, and I can take you from someone who doesn't know anything about like, Hey, Mike Glover sold me this big bag of medical kit and I have no idea what it, I had, a, I legit had this, like, it was just super, I had this like legit, like 80 year old dude one time, not maybe that, maybe it wasn't that old. I'm being rude. You know, <laughs> he was, you know, he might've been 65, whatever. But right. the, but the point is, you know I mean? He was this older dude that was like, well, you know, Mike Glover sold, you know, I was like, asking people why they were there and Mike Glover sold him that bag of medical supplies mm-hmm. and he figured he should, you know, learn how to use it. So I take you from that guy, you know, to how I want you to leave the class. And then I can craft the perfect vehicle to traverse that terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I'm, that's how I try to like build the courses, um, to arrive at a specific place, mm-hmm. I guess, versus I'd say like, again, like stop the bleed, for example, great initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's what you're good at, you know, maybe with any luck yeah. is stopping the bleed, um, right. which again, not, nah, not a bad thing, but. Uh, it's, it's like a good start, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not taking to, oh, to uh, cover that wide range of things that you're, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I've answered your question yet. Probably not. So. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, like, I do this a lot. Um, you know, you, tangents are, are, are kind of how I, that's, I've a joke about being undiagnosed ADHD all the time. Really? Right. I'm just a curious person. Mm-hmm. But, um, so there's trauma. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I would break things down into, hey, trauma, get good at trauma. Trauma is as easy as having a good patient assessment, mm-hmm. knowing how to keep situational awareness, and knowing the, knowing the tools and the equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and then you can take that and you can uh, – what I try to create are overlays. You know, the mm-hmm. plan needs to be rigid enough to be able to actually, like, hold some weight, but fluid enough to flex – based off of the wide variety of patients that you can have, mm-hmm. you know, circumstances that you'll come across. Mm-hmm. And so that's the point of, of an assessment is it's an overlay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got boo-boos, you know, all right, you know, but, and, and guess what? Most of us are usually capable of handling, you know, most in accidents or incidents that people, you know, might experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then having, it's, and a lot of it is like having some of the tools or resources to, to manage it. Um, that's what gets interesting. That's what gets interesting though, too, is then you can take this whole spectrum of like, no, 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 I just need to handle the problem right now and get them to, to you, you know, to, mm-hmm. to someone who knows what to do. Mm-hmm. 
or um, or they're or again they're like now I live you know hours away from anybody I'm gonna be completely self sustained I you know if we could learn if we could be doing you know thoracic surgery by the end of the day that'd be, <laughs> that'd be really cool because you know when when the grid goes down we're not gonna have thoracic surgeons and I might right. have to you know yeah, yeah. I yeah, might have to know. do that. I'm like, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take this one step at a time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll get there. That's maybe that's level two, but that's not that's not today. Um, yeah, and then the medical stuff. The medical stuff is just you know this, this simple things like understanding a little bit of anatomy, uh, understanding a little bit of physiology, um, and that's more you know like so again like the mechanics out there. Like the more you understand about how things work, the easier it is to diagnose or to. This is the same thing for trauma, you know, like mm-hmm. when you understand the physiological processes, you're like, okay, well, how's the machine breaking down? You know, same way for murdering, right? Mm-hmm. You want to get good at murdering somebody, you uh, you got to figure out how the machine works so you right. can but catastrophically it destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well-placed holes right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, exa- I mean, it's not it, exactly, you know, like even uh, that's what's funny about marksmanship. You know, right. Glover talks about it all the time. Like, we're raised in a marksmanship culture. So everyone goes to the range and they fall in love with super small, tight groups. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, 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 you're, you're trying to take down a machine. You know, mm-hmm. like, you want you want a, a, an abdo- abdominal shot to just bleed profusively. <laughs> you want to hit both lungs. You know, if you can get one in the in the freaking pump box, good for yeah. you. And yeah. if you can have a, a, a kill, slu- you know, a CNS uh, kill switch, like, that's that's victory. Right. You know, yeah. if you put if that, you put that spread on paper. You're like, oh gosh, you shoot like Helen Keller. Man. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, right. but, but the only standard is victory. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> I've seen a lot of ugly shit work. Yeah, you know, and that's fine. I bet. Yeah. That's funny. So number three. So when it comes to, so like you're talking about, uh, you know. By the end of the class, you want a person to be able to do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, I don't know if there's a proper name for it, but I'm just calling it like this sort of like bystander phenomenon where, you know, there's some accident or situation and you know, all, all the people that are in the vicinity think like, oh, somebody else will help with that. Right. So it, do you have, I guess, any recommendations of how to, I guess, break oneself out of that that sort of thought process? Well, first and foremost, like if you don't have if you don't have a plan, you're not going to do anything. Like mm-hmm. the people that stand there and watch are typically because they're like, "Oh my gosh, like what's happening?" Right. But if you've been to a class, you've been to training. If you've like, I mean, shit. If you've watched a YouTube video, you might be like, mm-hmm. "Oh wait, no, no, no." Like our our brains like mental models, and you're like, "Oh no, no I've mm-hmm. seen this before. Um, this is what needs to happen." Or, or again, maybe you snap to it, maybe you don't. But the point is, is I think most people that t- generally are going to stand around and watch, it's not it's not because they have. Uh, um, an unwillingness. Mm-hmm. It's more of an inability. You know, it's more of like, uh, mm-hmm. or even if they, and because then there are those people who, um, Kevin Estilla talks about this and be really upset. Well, I don't remember what the third one is. Right. It's like uh, being willing, being able. It's a Syat Kali kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, being willing, being able. And maybe, maybe capable. I don't know. Oh, I'm telling Kevin. He's, yeah, for, for real. <laughs> Message him right after this. Be like, dude, this guy, this dude. Anyways, but the point is, is like, you know, you might be, you might be willing, you know, but if you don't have the proper equipment, are you capable? Right. Um, you might or might be willing, you know, but if you don't have the experience, like, are, are you able? Right. You know, you might just jump in there and do some mm-hmm. some janky shit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, sort of break out of that. You like. You have to have a plan. You have mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. you have to war game a few things enough to actually decide like, all right, well, if I see this, then mm-hmm. you know I'll do that. And again, that can be that doesn't have to be uber specific. 
but it needs to be rigid enough to hold some weight. Mm-hmm. You know, I need a, a plan that's going to hold a little bit of uh, a strong enough structure, yeah. mm-hmm. but loose enough that I can adapt this to the to the circumstances that I find myself in. Because you know, like you said, it might be dealing with something at work. You know, mm-hmm. when you're inside of a controlled setting, or it might be at an intersection, or on the side of the highway where it's right. you know you've got multiple considerations literally speeding by you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just that's how fast it changes. Right. I also imagine that, like, for the for the flip side of that, it's important to know when to just back the fuck up, like, make some space for somebody else to, like, like you don't need to overcrowd it, like, too many chiefs kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely those, uh, for all the nurses out there, this is, I'm, I'm switching the selector lever from to, to, <laughs> to fire right now. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and, and it's funny, it's, it's uh, like, nur- I mean, and I pick on nurses a lot, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for some of them, but the... Um, you, you take someone that, that ha- again, has good knowledge. Like, you know, there are plenty of nurses that know more than me about a lot of different things, but it's like what's true is what's useful and put things into context. And, again, and on the side of the road, your uh, your nursing trauma experience, even if you're a trauma nurse, mm-hmm. is only so applicable. Like, you might understand trauma. You might, you know what I mean? But if you haven't practiced that, like, uh, again, a combat medic, like, we pack an aid bag. We, we dance with the day that we brought. You know, we had to, like, theorize and think about what we might you know, find in front of us. And then mm-hmm. we, we work out of that versus, you know, it's a lot different than most nurses that are working in whatever care facilities or even inside of an emergency room where they have other people to like share responsibility. They have other people to give them equipment or to, you know I mean? Like they mm-hmm. ultimately, um, anyways, it just, it's all in the right context. It's like they've, there's lots of people with good experience, but on the side of the road, you'll take someone that has, you know, like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a nurse, you know, mm-hmm. again, but it's like, right. Cool story, bro, but yeah. I happen to be an expert in cool stories. <laughs> <laughs> and I need you, to, been and I need you to get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> Stand aside, man. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of on that note, there is there are people that are trained as like first responders for emergency situations and that sort of thing. But there's got to be a serious delta between that and a combat medic because you're not only dealing with whatever the situation you're also doing it in potentially a hostile environment, right? So you've got to be mentally aware of everything else that's going on around you, plus whatever it is you're working on. Yeah, it, I mean, but that's, uh, I would say first and foremost, that depends on the medic. You okay. Know? I, there's a lot of people I've worked with over the years that if I was ever laying down hurt and they were the ones kneeling over me, I'd be like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> <You know>? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, really, it's it's like it's it's all principles. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, to quote, I came across recently that I really really liked was mm-hmm. uh, methods are many, principles are few. Methods may change, but principles rarely do. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, and so I, I I really like the I had so, so like taking the wisdom right. So like in in the combat medic world, it's mm-hmm. you know when you start doing doing a, you know, a, a, a scenario, we'll call it. I mean, everything is about like, boom, IED went off, you know, all right, well, bang, you know, sniper fire or, or boom, we've been ambushed. Like, mm-hmm. well, that happens a lot less in Chandler, Arizona. There's a lot <laughs> less roadside bombs, you know, than, yeah. than some of the other places I've been. Right. And so the point is, is but like, but it, it's the, it's the philosophy of um, being a first responder in general, mm-hmm. means you're balancing priorities. Okay. You know, so like as a medic, I would say like, what's more important, you know, stopping the threat or saving the patient? Mm-hmm. And they would be like, well, 
you know, most people are going to say stopping the threat, which is, I mean, is accurate. But to me, the answer is yes. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And opportunity cost is a real thing. Like you can, you know, mm-hmm. I can't do it all at the same time. So, you know, and, and just even the whole concept of like tactical combat casualty care to me really boils down to a shifting in priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it's trained is like you're in one phase of care, then you move on to the next, and mm-hmm. then you move on to the next, but you never move back into the original phase of care when your priority was stopping the threat. Right. And in like in the real world, that's that's more of like, listen, you know, if the enemy's not firing on you, they're, they're probably maneuvering on you, mm-hmm. you know, and so you could find yourself in a, in a bad situation. Or again, you're treating someone on the side of the road, first mm-hmm. responder. Um, and the traffic may have passed, but if some not someone's not out there to stop it or to direct it, like all of a sudden in the middle of an intersection, someone could be speeding through. Like how many times do you hear about first responders being hit or mm-hmm. you know, hitting, hitting, you know, hitting each other? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds, all kinds of different things that it's, that's really what it boils down to is mm-hmm. the difference to me is, uh, I don't know that there is much of a difference other than maybe what the specific threats might be, mm-hmm. you know, but really first responders have to, have to maintain situational awareness. They have to maintain uh, scene safety. They have to, it's still the same, same objective of, of handling the, the, the external factors along with this objective of trying to save the patient. And it's not just threats, obviously, like there's, um, I call it talent management, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, okay. this is really just boils down to telling the nurse to get out of my way, but <laughs> no, you know, but there's lots of people that, you know, they show up and they want to help. Right. Um, you know, or, you know, it, people show up, they want to do things and first responders have to do the same thing that medics have to do. It's like medics mm-hmm. have to communicate information to, you know, to hire, to be able to say, hey, platoons aren't, I'm, I need two minutes of stay and play right now, mm-hmm. you know, to, to try to do some good here. Mm-hmm. And the platoon sergeant might argue back like, yo, man, we got, you know, yeah. we got 150 fucking hostiles, you know, right now. So we don't have two minutes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to, you know, like, and it's, and it's a balance of priorities. Like both mm-hmm. of us are right. Right. You know, it just is. You know what are we going to prioritize right at this moment? Exactly, and it's and it's it's just a bad time to debate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, anyways, it's like people on the side of the road might show up and they're like, "Oh, you know what? What can I do to help?" You know, and you if you haven't managed that situation before, like you're you're going to get distracted mm-hmm. because you're going to be trying to do the job of the thing that maybe you're not very good at, which is handling the trauma. Mm-hmm. You're going to be asked very real questions like, "Did someone call nine one one?" And you're like trauma, trauma, trauma. Nine one one. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what was I doing again? I was like, tra- had I did, did I say trauma three times or did I say trauma two times? Mm-hmm. You know, and now you got to go back to the. Anyways, so that to me is, uh, you've got to be able to. You've got to be able to manage the scene around you, manage the people around you, manage you know like your own safety, the safety of others, the safety of your patient, mm-hmm. and simultaneously get good at. Um, and it's not, uh, maybe not multitasking cause I hate mm-hmm. that word. I think I, it's not a, I don't think it's an effective strategy generally, mm-hmm. but I've got to be able to switch tasks easily and right. come back to what I was doing with some efficacy. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. No, it does. So I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, <clears throat> she was just kind of asking like a random question, uh, and she was saying that, you know, there are situations where some people, not necessarily trained people or whatever, uh, will, there's an emergency situation and they will just, they flip a switch and they're, they're there. They're on it. They know what to do. They know, or at least they have some kind of plan of action about 
doing something versus other people that sort of get shocked into like immobility. You know, they, they just, whatever the situation is, they're just sort of stunned and they don't move. They don't, you know. Call so O by e, OBE, overcome by events. Yeah. yeah. And so she was trying, I guess the question was, you know, what is it that some people have that switch and other people don't? I, I still think it comes down to, to like, what are you familiar with? Like again, like our brains, the way that they're designed, mm-hmm. like patterns, like models, like mm-hmm. predictability specifically. That, I mean, really because they're lazy and they don't want to waste energy. So like, that's why right. learning new things sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, your brain's like, why do I need to do this? <laughs> yeah. um, is this going to help me survive? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, listen, I have food, water, shelter right now. Like, why are you, why are, why are you teaching me? You know, right. why are you teaching me Spanish and English, yeah. please? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. And uh, I and I think you know what? Uh, again, coming down to some of those different different factors, it's like, has someone considered the possibility um, that they're willing? Mm-hmm. to step in do they feel that that call to action from mm-hmm. the, from the get-go because there's lots of people that don't even uh don't don't feel that i say lots of people I have no idea what amount of you know there are those mm-hmm. people right you know that would fall into that category of like they've never considered it you know based off of conversations you have with people like that's there's people who don't think they have to take their own safety into account much less mm-hmm. the health or the well-being of others right mm-hmm. um and then even then, those then we all know those people that have considered the possibility but do nothing to prepare. Right. You know, they uh, they would be the the last person you'd want to see kneeling over you if something happened because you know that while again while willing, mm-hmm. they are not capable. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and they enable. Um, and so I just and, and and I think that the more the more you think about that, the more you strategize, the more you prepare yourself, the more you're like, all right, well, and then eventually you have to make the decision. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Maybe you watch. Maybe it's enough of watching nobody doing anything. Then you're like, all right. Well, you know what? I think I think I've got to do something, right? Um, and stepping in to do it. So I don't know that uh, how much of it. Th- I think a lot of it's through either like life experiences or whatever. Some people from a younger mm-hmm. age. Um, hopefully that's how I'm raising my kids. Right. If I'm with any with any luck or any success, mm-hmm. um, I've got five of them. So congratulations. Yep. Yep. I'm trying to raise five little terminators, man. Right. I got a, I got a fire team and that's how I need them to operate. That's nice. awesome. You know? And, uh, but again, hopefully they've considered these things of, of again, the, the health or the safety of others. You know I mean, or just mm-hmm. even, you know, um, I brought home two fanny packs for my, my two youngest the other day mm-hmm. to just be like, Hey man, what would you put inside of this? If you're going to take this fanny pack on a hike, mm-hmm. you know, they're, cause they're already like to take care of their own well being. Like, you know, maybe I should bring a few things if I'm going to go walk around the desert. Right, you know, which adults don't do. You know, there's that. Yeah. There's a doctor that died in Sedona this last. Really? You know, yeah. I mean, in that, well, you know, it was a. I, they that was what it was reported, and mm-hmm. I'm not to be crude or insensitive or any of these things, but um, if I'm making light of it, and the, you know, someone's offended that dark humor is like food, not everybody gets it. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but it's a staple of the military. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, it's just it's, it's how. That's how our brains work. Um, anyways, it just you know, like you gotta you gotta mental model some of these things. Decide mm-hmm. that it's going to be important enough yeah. to to gain some skills to gain you know, and then I think that's what what pushes people into action. And, mm-hmm. and you have people that um, otherwise it's all survival instincts. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise it's all you know. You find yourself in a situation that hopefully you prepared for, but maybe you didn't, mm-hmm. and then you're. Um, 
you're just going to do what you think is is intuitive, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's like there's a lot of things that um, that may be intuitive but are not mm-hmm. effective. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So when we were having that conversation, what I told her was that I, at least this is how I believe, is that throughout the course of your life, you deal with different situations. You've you've lived through certain types of trauma or situations. You've had to deal with a lot of hard stuff. You've just chosen to do different hard things, take on bigger challenges for yourself or for other people. And it's through all of that experience like that it prepares you inevitably for that situation. Somebody who has, has like literally lived a very soft life and never left the couch, you know, versus somebody who has been raised to, you know, do everything. Like, you know, fix cars, chop wood, go hunting, go camping, you know, like have all these different experiences, right? They're prepared to deal with a little bit more than somebody who's just never had that, right? And I think that that's part of what helps them kind of like snap into, okay, we got to get shit done. So at least that's my thought on it. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, and, and and again, it comes down to, like, what do you value? I probably watched too much, like, James Bond movies as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, that dude does everything. Right. You know, and I'm and that's then that's how I – that's what I feel like I value. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm – uh, I wanted to do, you know, sailing classes when I was in – when I was in Hawaii. Like, I wanted – I'm going to get scuba and, and uh, going for my pilot's license. Yeah, I'm doing mm-hmm. – like, doing online ground school. I'm like, oh, this is – like, this is easy. Right. You know, specializations for insects, man. Right, (laughs) and it just is. uh, What you were talking about earlier, I thought was thinking like the whole the whole pandemic thing. Like the the best thing I saw about that was like the the pandemic didn't uh, change society; it unmasked it. Yeah, definitely. Right, and Mm -hmm. uh, and just so like what people spend their time with. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hating on anybody that spends time watching Netflix. Like I, I do the same thing, but Mm -hmm. but too much of that, and it's like, and to my own peril. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not staying spun up on, on skills that I've practiced, or I'm not I'm not packing my vehicle with like things that I might have used. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm not I'm not war gaming scenarios. I'm I don't know. Um, so I just think that like uh, as my dad would always say, all things in moderation. Right. You know, I'm sure he'll appreciate that I said that. Yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah. But that's what it is. You know, and, and so like the the. Is what do we spend our time doing, and how much mm-hmm. of that is not just, obviously like there's preparing for th- you mm-hmm. know for things just in general, but there's also like man like there's the world's your oyster like never have we had this much access to information and opportunity like right. go go do something, um, and the next time you're like playing freaking video games, and you look and see like how many hours it tells you you've been playing. Think right. about what else. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you have a doctorate's degree in in fucking Call of Duty? Because that's how much, (laughs) like, the equivalent number of hours have been spent playing that fucking thing. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that that just is, I look, that's how I measure things. It's all opportunity cost. Again, my my Mm -hmm. 12th grade economics teacher, Mr. Saunders, he's he's, he's a bro. He's a good guy. Uh, Everything's about opportunity cost. And so that's that's Mm -hmm. super formative. I don't know why, but it just sticks with me. That's good good way to, to look at it um, as far as like people who, who want to learn this stuff uh, a like kind of what is the the base level of knowledge that they should have and B like how often do they need to like revisit this and make sure that it's all still there because mm-hmm. you can lose some of this information over time right right I would I would say that the again uh, methods are many principles few you know mm-hmm. the whole thing Um 
the and a lot of the principles like don't change. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, pressure and elevation that's going to stop bleeding. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So there are things like that that will carry on carry on quite a ways. So one of the hardest things in medicine though is to stay current. You okay. know, like if I asked if I asked most people um, if someone hit fell and hit their head, you know, do you let them fall asleep? You know, and most people are going to go. No, no, under no circumstances, you know, and like, well, mm-hmm. we've had a, we've had a lot more research now done mm-hmm. on, uh, on concussions, TBI and, you know, things like mm-hmm. this. And now I mean, like, well, now we're putting people to sleep. Really? And, uh, yeah, exactly. And, huh. and that's, so that's, it's, uh, that's the hardest part, right? Cause something that like was taken 100% for fact, you know, mm-hmm. you, under no circumstances do you ever, mm-hmm. you know, baby sleep on their backs. No, 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 just kidding. Babies sleep on their stomachs, you know. Well, guess what? Babies have been doing okay on their backs and their stomachs. And right. my turns fa- out. Yeah, turn, turns out you're both fucking wrong, you know. <laughs> or right. I don't really care. You know, right. it's uh, my favorite thing. I, I don't know where I found this. It was uh, when you get your bachelor's degree, you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. And when you get your master's degree, you realize that you don't know anything. Right. And when you get your doctor's degree, you realize that nobody knows anything, yeah. you know. But that's not really helpful. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to, like, we have to do something. So the yeah. best that we can do is is look at what's out there, mm-hmm. um, figure out the context in which we want to use things, and then make some good plans. Yeah. So, anyways, to actually answer your question, okay. <laughs> base, baseline again is, is is trauma. You know, okay. like and it's less than it's it's not super common, but again, heaven freaking forbid you find yourself in some crazy. You know, a car a car accidents actually are common. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in quite a few, just even in my own personal life, not to mention the ones that I've seen or witnessed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a baseline of, of trauma and of, of like, hey, you know, really it comes down to the March assessment. The trauma boils down to a good patient assessment. And then, like, the tools might change. I know we might have a, a new high-speed tourniquet or we might have, you know, some new airway adjunct that is just, like, the absolute bee's knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, again, that stuff matters. Right? And things change. So, like, like uh, nasopharyngeal airway, like the, like the, tu- the right. tubes, mm-hmm. you know, um, that we shove down people's nose. It looks really cool on Instagram. But um, but the question is, like, how much did I expect the random person, especially when I only have one day, you know, mm-hmm. to talk to them about trauma, you know, how much time opportunity costs? You know, I mean, right. how much time should I spend talking about this? Like, time I spend talking about that is time I cannot spend talking about stopping bleeding. Is time right. I, you know, it's time I can't talk about balancing priorities, handle, you know, talent management, these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but not that long ago, the, there was some new guidance that came out that was like, hey, it, this it doesn't have so much to do with measuring between the, the nose and the ear anymore. It has more to do with the patient's height, you know, if you want to get an effective um, NPA. Mm-hmm. And so it just with that new guidance, it kind of just changes Oregon. Like, you know, how much am I going to expect someone to, the random person to run up, size you up, figure out how tall you are, and then size down a nasopharyngeal airway and then insert it into your nose. Right. And so, well, I could do that, or I could just spend more time giving you some hands-on practice with the tools that I think you'll actually use, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think trauma is a good baseline. You know, the boo-boo stuff's not bad. Um, sutures isn't a bad thing to know. I think that lidocaine is kind of an important thing to, you know, don't, don't just play around with lidocaine. Um, so for those that don't know, what, what is lidocaine? Lidocaine is the agent that we would use to, like, numb people up. Okay. Um, so I mean, me, it, by the way. Yeah, if you, if you want to do sutures without lidocaine, then by all means, yeah. you know, like that's that's all on you. Um, and really, if you can tie a square knot, you can tie sutures. Right. You know? uh, so anyways, these are just like common things that come up. People like want to mm-hmm. know, oh, you know, I want to be able to to be hunting, 
you know, and then I want to be able to to stay out hunting and just suture myself up. You're like, well, dude, you you might get an infection if you do that. Right. You know, <laughs> like we it's we, doable. He's not gonna yeah, like it. Yeah, so, you know. I'm gonna throw in a stupid question just just for the sake. So when you watch movies and TV shows and things like that, when people get stabbed, shot, run through, like all these things, right? They they have a habit of like they they use like a staple gun or something, and they, as long as like they close up the outside, they just call it good. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm reasonably sure there's a little more to it. <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Now you know the uh, film could get away with like I so I legit had a guy in Hawaii that showed up. Um, and it's like early in the morning uh-huh. and I was very like, I was already kind of, uh, testy, maybe we'll call it already short. And I got put up in triage, which just kind of sucks. So you're sitting there and you have to like take everyone's vitals and listen to everybody talk about, you know, how the bad their day was. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm not good at that. So it, it's just, I mean, like you come in for knee pain, you know, and acute care is like two weeks or less, mm-hmm. you know? So then when you start off your story with, well, back in 2000 and I'm like, stop, yep. stop, <laughs> no, hang on. Let's just, can hang on. Yeah. Yeah. This is not actually where you belong. Right. Go find somewhere else. But uh, anyways, dude comes up and, and uh, I was like, all right, man, hey, what's, uh, what's bothering you? And he's like, well, I got stabbed. And I kind of have like, so like, you know, I'm like typing and I'm like, okay. All right, like just the, just the sigh. I'm like, all right, and I like look over and I'm like, you got stabbed. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, tell me what happened. Oh no, I first, I was like, where? He's like, in the abdomen. I'm like, in the abdomen. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then uh, I was like, well, let me see. So he pulls up his shirt and he's got this strip of electrical tape, Jesus, you know, okay. over his abdomen. I'm like, pull it off. <laughs> Take it off. I want to see it. And uh, as he starts pulling uh, the tape off. I start to see like the skin on his on his abdomen start to separate. I'm like, stop. Okay, okay. All right, I believe you, yeah. dude. Tell me what happened. You know, yeah. Now I'm now I'm da- now yeah. Now we're in. Dazzle me, man. <laughs> you know, tell tell me what what we're doing. Right. And uh, anyways, he. Uh, long story short, this guy is like somebody offered him to like to sell tramadol to him, and he was like, oh no, thank you. I happen to be in the military, which was yeah. like that was like the key that that guy needed to like, all right, boom, tried to slice him. He was able to push off of him. And so, so it wasn't like a super, mm-hmm. it was a slice, not a jab. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, like luckily he was able to yeah. break contact from from there, but mm-hmm. wild, wild uh, story. Right. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that answered. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> so like I said, it, it, I, I call it a stupid question because it it seems ridiculous. But like, like I said, in a movie you'll see somebody that gets shot, stabbed, whatever, and they'll, they'll suture up or they'll bandage up the outside, and they call it good. You know, take some antibiotics and they're fine. Or somebody that gets shot and it's a through and through, they bandage up the, the, the two sides and that, that's it. That's all there is. It's like, isn't there more going on inside that needs to be addressed than just? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Well, then you know, so <laughs> the body's weird. You know, what uh-huh. I mean? and it's like it does all kinds of crazy things. It's like, and so. Uh, I don't know, my answer for almost everything is like, oh, it depends. <laughs> Which is like, it's not very helpful. Maybe, you know. Yeah, like, where did, did you get shot with a plasma gun? Did it just carterize everything? Like, yeah, while right. I was going through, I, I don't know. But it's like, there, um, but obviously, like, t- tons of common things emerge. It's like, there's, mm-hmm. if you're gonna, anything the abdomen's gonna bleed, crazy amount, um, generally. And then in the chest, you know, you've got it, you gotta, uh, we, we, teach people like chest seals, you got to worry about chest getting into the, you know, into the air cavity, but anywhere you've got injuries, if you have, you're also going to have usually blood. And mm-hmm. so doing chest tubes and stuff like that, to be able to like drain that out while your mm-hmm. body's healing and stuff like that. It's a, it's a thing. Right. Yeah. 
There you go. Um, so a big part, again, like why we started the podcast is to get people into the idea that you need to be better prepared. You need to think differently. Like I said, life is not always going to be as easy as it was yesterday. You know, um, so I believe that people should not only be taking these sort of classes and understanding how to do all these things, but they should be buying the equipment. What I really don't want is for people to go and buy the equipment and say, Whew, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm set. I'm it's ready. Like, no, no. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got this really cool uh, picture on my Instagram page that I was super proud of. Right. A buddy of mine took it, but it's like, there's a dude laying on the ground and I'm like talking to the class and then, uh, in focus, he has like a tourniquet, mm-hmm. and then out of focus is is me behind it. You know what I mean? And it was like the the equipment is only you know. So then the caption that I thought of was like, "Oh, the equipment is only as good as the training that you have behind it." I was right. so, anyways, it just it's so <laughs> funny because like you're like, oh yeah, I, I, like it. It's I, I wonder like it's super impactful for me because like mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. And even if you get it though, it's like uh, the rate at how much stuff is added and thrown mm-hmm. on there right. is just. Uh, it just disappears, and I mean, it's like like tossing a tossing a, a flake of salt into the sea, you know. Yeah. Anyways, the sea is no less salty, but right. <laughs> it's more salty. I mean, but but just barely. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> not enough that you probably notice. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have any other things that you think that it's important for people to know uh, regarding this sort of this this idea of like being more prepared for situations that can occur or how to deal with it? Um, it honestly, it truly is like a lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like um, you, you really what you get good at, if it's your lifestyle is like is risk mitigation. Mm-hmm. You know, how well can you get in your war game? You theorize, you're like, okay, you know what? You're familiar with, you know, Murphy's law, you know, what can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible time. And then, all right, right. if that does happen, well, then what do I have to not be like completely up shit's Creek? And anyways, so other things, uh, other things that people can do is, is, is just to start thinking about like, man, if all the, the food disappeared off the shelf tomorrow, like where Mm -hmm. would I, where would I go get food? Mm -hmm. Or maybe I should have some beforehand. Um, you know, someone might, I get might get into a car accident and Mm -hmm. if that happened, you know, what would I need to handle that? It's funny because like, it's. Like how often on social media do you see like an accident here or, you know what I mean? Like the, the news loves to report on it, but no one, uh, no one, no one considers like what that would be like if that was them in that like newsreel that they're just watching. Right. It's interesting. Um, I teach this in class sometimes, not all the time, but as I talk about it when it feels relevant, mm-hmm. um, they're, like a thought exercise, a thought exercise is like, how are you going to treat a head laceration? How are you going to treat penetrating trauma to the chest? How are you going to treat bleeding on an amputation? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's very like, oh yeah, you know, how would I? And most people don't even do the thought exercise. Mm-hmm. But then, like, let's do a feeling exercise. Okay. And how would you treat a leg amputation on your son? How would you treat right. a head laceration on your mom? Right. How would you treat you know a, a penetrating chest trauma to your child? Like, mm-hmm. like, and this is like, let's put this in the context of like of how you would actually use it. And then you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right, because, I yeah. probably need to learn a few things. Yeah, because then it moves from just a hypothetical with no real attachment to something that is very real and that actually matters. Yeah, it gives yeah. you some context. Yeah, and, and so to 
I think that thought exercises are important, and that's mm-hmm. where you start. And I think that that's like, oh, you know, thought exercise, like, man, like, what, um, what, would, what would I do? And then mm-hmm. the feeling exercise is like, oh, man, who might I have to do this stuff with? Mm-hmm. And that to me is is uh, what, like, anchors it down mm-hmm. to uh, to learning. I had a guy in one of my classes show up, because I always ask people in every class, like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's mainly because I want to deliver on expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, partially I'm always curious. I didn't know that, like, going to classes was a thing. In the Army, like, you go to schools. You know, I'm going to go right, to this right. school or that school, you know. Yeah. But, and then I re- didn't realize. I was like, oh, man, there's a whole, like, there's a whole market out here of people that just, like, want to go to classes. But that's how I found Fieldcraft was I went to a class. Um, just like Mikey Hernandez. But um, then, you know, you uh, – anyways, in the class, I was like, lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're good now. <laughs> apologize anyways the dude showed up to my class and i asked mm-hmm. him you know like oh like why are you and he said that he was involved in a fa- like an accident fatality mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like later he like pulled me in the pulled me over in the hallway he was talking to me he tells me the story of the fatality of the fatality because i asked him like, do you mind sharing the story and he's like oh i was in a moving truck i was in a moving truck and i got you know like in a, the moving truck got pinned you know underneath the bus or it was a semi or something mm-hmm. you know and then uh and that's where the fatality came from and like and i'm thinking i'm like man who who would you ride in a moving truck with, mm-hmm. you know, and come to find out like it was his son. Like the mm-hmm. dude was in a fatal freaking accident, like with his son, his son passed away in the accident. And now he was in a class after having lost his son mm-hmm. and was like, I still might, you know, like I have, I need to know this stuff. Like I've mm-hmm. been in a situation where I needed it and I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And that was rough. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, and I try to do some expectation management too, where I, um, I start off where I'm like, hey, like, it's like, what what percentage of people do you think are like saveable? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's you know, like in the military world, it's actually a small percentage. Like combat medics are the second largest MOS in the army, and we're out there to like we're we're trying to save people from preventable causes of death, which mm-hmm. then lends us to believe that there are unpreventable causes of death, and that's like eighty five percent. Okay. I, mean, I mean, like most people, are like oh, 50-50, flip with the coin, like oh, you you know, you'll be just fine. The medic's there; he's gonna run and save the day with his little bag of tricks, right. yeah. you know. But like, no, 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 like we're like roadside bombs are a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, literally. And anyways, the types of things, the injuries that can happen, like, but in the civilian world, you got a little bit more room for leeway. But still, as like trauma is trauma, you don't get to drive down the highway at eighty five miles an hour, flip ten times, and think just because you've taken a class that someone's gonna survive that, you know, right. And all that is is to say, or just even like, again, like when do you know when you're outdone, you're mm-hmm. outmatched, you know? And the point is, is the job is to, um, the job is like, my job is to, hey, I come across you, I find you point of injury care. My job is to keep you alive till either help comes, I go to help or we meet in the middle. Like I get you to the hospital, I get you to the pyramid, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. the case is. And, um, you know, or I, or I like stopping bleeding. Like, okay, well you can stop bleeding, but then how much blood did they lose mm-hmm. in the pro- like in that process before you found them before you got right. to them because then the thing is is like um then like our our tissues need oxygen otherwise they die well the point mm-hmm. is if someone lost a lot of blood then they can't carry enough oxygen mm-hmm. to keep the tissues like perfused so then like what like what level of organ failure do you have mm-hmm. from just losing too much blood you might right. have, like you might have showed up and you mm-hmm. might be able to stop my bleeding mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm going to live. Right. You know, that means you did all that you could. Mm-hmm. You did everything that you knew how to do. But the point is, is that um, 
there are some things that you're just like, like, man, you're just, you're outgunned. Like, mm -hmm. and the little bit of that, like expectation management is, is a big thing because, you know, you don't want people to walk away with, I'd hate to have someone have a negative outcome mm -hmm. and then think like, oh man, what did I do it wrong? Could I have done more? Did I, you know? And you're yeah. like, well, maybe, but let's, let's start with, you know, you did all you could. Mm -hmm. And that's an important thing to know yeah. is, um, increase your capabilities and, you know, improve your proficiency. But the point is, is you, you, you got, you got to like live with those things and know that you did what you can. Mm -hmm. you know? So that particular thought right there is what stopped me from ever getting into uh, the medical field because, and I was, I thought about this when I was like 17, 18 years old, like, would I want to be a doctor? And my thought process at the time was I wouldn't want to be a doctor because if I failed to save somebody, I don't know how well I'd be able to deal with that or, you know, and that was probably the wrong way to think about it as far as deciding what it was I wanted to do or how important it was, mm -hmm. you know, but it was something that I, that I just felt at that time that I wouldn't be able to deal with that level of failure because I just think it would be really hard for me to just be okay with it and understand that just like you said, I did what I was capable of doing. I did what I was trained to do. I did what I could. And whether or not that was enough wasn't necessarily up to me. Right. I mean, well, there's also like, uh, and, and you know, like I can't, I can't make people into medics overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing too, is like, even if you came to a class and you tried your absolute best to do everything that I taught you how to do, you know, you mm -hmm. were whatever. Um, and maybe you made a mistake, but like, so do the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And like, and we bury our mistakes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that someone's else, someone else is not going to be hurt tomorrow. Right. You know, and and the mistakes that you make, as as unfortunate as they are, and you want to mitigate them as best as you can, like, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that, like, you're not out of the game yet. You're not, you know, like, like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. You know, yeah, like, exactly. don't, don't, don't hang up your aid bag. Like, there's, there's, like, there, there's, there's doctors that make mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, and, uh. It's like an uncomfortable feeling. I mean, and uh, you hear about them when you, you know, people talk about lawsuits and all kinds of shenanigans. But right. like, I don't know that 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 doctor was a person who made a mistake because I don't know for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Now some obviously like some of them maybe shouldn't practice medicine because some of them. But the point is, is when we're talking about when we're talking about people dying, our friends and family, or you know, or strangers possibly dying on the side of the road, you know, or having accidents. It's like, man, we are. Something is always better than nothing, and and there's always something to do. I mean, and in that that and I like that's the same rule applies for like if I'm the medic, I'm the paramedic, whatever. Or we go hunting, you know, like the three of us buddies. Mm -hmm. um, and heaven forbid, one of you have an accident. I mean, I don't care if you've got exposed gray matter on the rocks. Like I'm going to treat you because it's because it's not my job to determine whether or not you're dead or not. Right. You know, like um, I know when there's something that I can do and there's probably when there's something that I can't, but that doesn't mean that I just like <coughs> shrug my shoulders and, you know, that comes later, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I joke all the time. Like yeah. when you're dead, you're no longer a medical emergency and therefore yeah. not my problem. Right. You know, but the, anyways, the point is, is that like it, but how, what does it do? What does it do for morale for the other people that are there that have to like watch me just like look at their loved one and just shrug my shoulders like, no, there's nothing I can do here. Mm -hmm. Um and if there's, if there's 10 people hurt, like, I might have to do that. Right. But the bottom line is, is uh, you know, don't don't be super hard on yourself. Like, you're, you're, 
you're trying to get like when you go to like to decide you're going to like learn these things like go into it with the knowledge of like man I'm setting myself in an impossible situation. I'm someone who is relatively untrained. You know, I'm not, I'm not, or maybe not untrained, uneducated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm, what I'm doing is, is, is to be able to hope to manage these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are those that would say that like hope is, uh, hope is not a good course of action or it's not a, not a plan. And I agree with that in principle, mm-hmm. but you know, how much can you reasonably expect, right? you know, out of ourselves? And again, it's like, uh, nothing uh, nothing is easy but it's also not that hard like you can yeah. do so much with a little like you know and that's proof with stop the bleed like that's not even a whole patient assessment that's one preventable cause of death mm-hmm. just stop the damn bleeding and that already saves a ton of lives mm-hmm. so um then you just upgrade your circumstance from there mm-hmm. uh, it's uh it's more you know it should be more encouraging than it is right um uh more i'll find a word eventually but you know, don't be despondent about it. Just, right. you know, do the best you can. Yeah. Um, I think that's an important aspect for people to remember that when you're thinking about these things. You're not going to be able to fix everything. You're you're not always going to be able to do things without making mistakes. But don't let that stop you from trying. Because if you got there and you did what you could and you made a mistake, at least you made an effort, it's entirely possible that you still are saving this person. Oh yeah, you absolutely. It, yeah. It, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean that you lost it or that the, the the person dies or whatever. You know. No, I mean that's yeah. that's one yeah. that's one reason why I love scenario based training so much as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm looking to to bring to the Fieldcraft Revival, like medical suite, we'll call it, mm-hmm. is uh, three classes that are essentially like one on one courses that are all like, and that's just to like have all the time that I need to maybe teach it like the basic like level you know level skills mm-hmm. with enough time because I can't fit all of that content into one day, but right. I can make basic stuff that in three different genres, you know, austere, mm-hmm. family, um, and uh, and trauma. Mm-hmm. But then after that is, okay, but um, trauma lanes, scenario-based training. It's like, I'm gonna give you scenarios today. I mean, it literally is like, I wanna have you pack a bag, mm-hmm. and I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a packing list, or ask you kind of what you think you might, like, what do you pack in your bag? Um, and and give you scenarios and make you like have to actually treat people, make decisions in real life. And, and you have gamisms and you do that best you can. And we can simulate mm-hmm. things and we make you do it under stress, you know, um, whatever that's going to be. There's lots of different ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because then you get to, it's, it's like, that's like the, the real meat and potatoes of our personal security class that we run mm-hmm. is, you know, yeah, you go some, th- you know, some, th- some theory, some training in the beginning of the day, but then the back half of the day is all, all scenarios. We have role players. They're going to come up to you when you're getting gas at your car. I'm mm-hmm. going to like ask you for money, and you're going to have to be able to handle that. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to have to walk your kids out of the grocery store, or like you know, be inside mm-hmm. of your home. We've got an awesome shoot house in Phoenix that we use. It's like set up like a living room. Anyways, all kinds of things. Nice. Nice. But then the point is, is you get to be inside of the scenario. We're wargaming. Our brains don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to feel those things, and we get to like make decisions in real time. We have all of the life lessons with zero of the consequences. Right. You know, and in the medical realm, I mean, that's amazing that you get to like make the mistakes. Cause, and I like, and make the mistakes. And we do think, you know, like, and it's, it's kind of like a cliche thing from a medical perspective, but it's like, I'm going to make you write a letter to the casualty that you just lost. You know, you, you mm-hmm. fucked up, you made a mistake, they died. Mm-hmm. You know, you suck as a medic, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Write a letter to his parents and tell him why you suck, mm-hmm. you know. 
But yeah, I mean, man, you write one or two letters, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I suck. Yeah, you know, like, I, I might need to figure this shit out. Um, and it just again, it, it grounds it mm-hmm. a, a little bit. So like, being able to to make mistakes in inside of a safe environment is mm-hmm. is how you don't make them out there in the real world and have to live with real world consequences. Mm-hmm. So taking a step kind of back from there, how do you get your family prepared? You have like younger kids, you have your wife or your spouse, you know, whoever that is. Um, like, how do you start to get them prepared and in, in, in that mindset of knowing what to do if something happens? No, oh, man, I don't whatsoever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, idea. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a little bit of truth to that in the sense of like, you know, like you can lead a horse to water, uh-huh. you know, but you can't make him drink. Um, but it's like, I, that's one thing. Uh, it's one of the things I love about my spouse uh, so much is my wife is so. So interested, I, I love how much she uh, she respects and kind of gravitates to to a lot of the things that, um, that you know that, that I teach specifically. And there's mm-hmm. plenty of things that she still doesn't know, like that I teach. It's like it, there's only again so much time in a day. But um, so a lot of it, the, it's like if I'm ever down, if I'm ever not there, you know, I'm traveling or whatever the case is. It's mm-hmm. like well, then it boils down to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and what skills does she have? That was actually super. Um, um, super real thing that I was so like my wife had all five of the kids in Costco one time and uh and you can't go to Costco and not eat at the food court right <laughs> so anyways they're all eating at the food court well then my wife she's like she doesn't chew her food and she starts choking on a hot dog right wow I joke I'm like the last thing in the world I ever thought you'd choke on you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> and freaking you know, and I always make the joke. I'm like, if you're choking, you have to make the universal sign. That way, people actually know that you're choking. Otherwise, they just look at you, and it's just right. this weird, yeah. weird eye contact. Right. Like, oh my gosh, what is okay. happening? Hey, you're just, just going to actually look into someone's eyes while they die. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be real cute. <laughs> it's very intimate. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very intimate. Yeah. It's what everyone hopes for in jujitsu, but then they get yeah, in the yeah. wrong context. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then. Uh, Anyways, and she's like making the international, you know, she's like making the sign. She, she can't move air, and that's always anything, you know, like if they're making air, leave them alone. If you hear an air exchange. Yeah. But, um, fine, you know, like in that, like the food court, like goes silent, you know, and everyone's just like looking at her, and she's like looking around, has that panic look. All the kids are like, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> but no one's saying anything. She's right. just all in their faces. And finally, this lady walks up. She's like, do you need help? Yeah. And my wife like starts nodding her head, and the lady's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. What I'll, I'll go find someone who does. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for asking. Because you literally did more than everybody else. But, oh my gosh, man. But that was such a wake up call to me that I was like, I mean, because again, like, to, you know, I, before that, uh-huh. you know, like my wife, she's known what I've, what I do. You know, right. she's known what my job is, but it's like, um, but we'd never had these conversations. And I'm like, dude, if I lost my wife to a Costco hot dog, you know, <laughs> after the number of hours that I've had to sit, sitting through a basic lifesaver class, you know, right. choking and all these other things, I mean, to be able to clear an airway obstruction, I was like, that is the that is the worst poetic irony that I, that I could possibly have to, like, live through. Yeah. And so um, that, I feel like, was the incident that my wife was finally like, you got to teach me some shit, right? You know, I was like, because the information can't can't die with me. Um, anyways, and so like, yeah, we'll have you know, lots of different conversations. Look, at my kids are super interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, my oldest is my daughter. She's my my teenager. She's she's less interested, but uh, 
but she's a super smart, savvy kid, and I like, and I have to find my own roundabout way. It, it's it's fun because it's no different than like again, like how uh, it's like teaching different learners, different personality types, different right. things. You know, I can, um, you know, a the whole like okay, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, it's like, well, are you leading all the horses to the same spot? Right. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they prefer different areas. Like, and so uh, we did like a family fire starting thing a little while ago. And again, my daughter is normally not much of a survivalist, but mm-hmm. fire starting, she was like, yeah, okay, with the ferro rod. <laughs> and uh, I still have, I watched this video like every so often of my daughter like striking the ferro rod. And then finally she gets the flame. And mm-hmm. it's like, and in the video, she's like, bro, I'm amazing. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, like, see how cool this is? Right. I could teach you a thousand other things just like this. And you would be a thousand times more amazing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's like, I think that with five kids, my wife and I try really hard to be super intentional with our time. Uh Um, and so, you know, we do lots of one-on-one dates. We, you know, we, that's just how we spend our time. We do lots of family games, lots of, uh, small unit tactics with Nerf guns in the hallways. That's awesome. Yeah. The kids just think, the kids just think that it's like a Nerf gun and we're like, no, 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 you're going to, you're going to use this someday maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's like trying to make it fun, trying to, to if it's, if, if you're, if you're spending time with your kids, they don't give a shit what you're doing. Right. You know, and how cool is it that you as the parent get to be the one that it's like, hey, son or daughter, like, let me show you something. Let me, mm-hmm. let me teach you something. Right. And all it does is just, cause I mean, like otherwise, um, you grow up and it's like, like I had mentors or, you know, one day and you're like, that person, they don't fucking know anything. Mm-hmm. They don't, they didn't do anything. Like, why did I ever like look up to that person? Right. You know, um. So anyways, it just is, maybe it's a little bit of inception, you know, if my, in a weird, in a weird way, if my dad can start a fire with a ferro rod, mm-hmm. maybe he knows something about, I don't know, the rest of life. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, a little bit of credibility <laughs> yeah. if I can. Yeah, anyways. exactly. So anyway, that's, uh, we have fun and that's how, that's how we try right. to do it. That's really cool. Um, I know that Amber does a lot of that teaching as far as like families and and how to get them prepared and that sort of thing. Yeah. She's somebody else that I really want to have on the podcast here and talk to her because I think that her perspective and, and just the way that she talks about those things is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it probably will resonate with a lot of people that aren't, haven't been in the military, haven't had lots of experiences in those sorts of things, don't practice jujitsu and, and whatever else, don't have the mindset for that. So I think that'd be important. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's not a prerequisite, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's super fun about it is like, I know, um, I know lots of super squared away people mm-hmm. that were never in the military, you know, that didn't, it just, it's like, but, um, you know, or, or again, like there's, I mean, there's even plenty of squared away people in the military that like, were never lucky enough to go to specific types of units to have specific types of experience. But those people do exist. We do get to learn from them mm-hmm. and like knowledge still gets dis- like distilled down. And so it's like, you know, you don't have to, um, experience doesn't have to necessarily be like if you're learning correct principles like mm-hmm. it's great when you have the experience but sometimes the experience is like man if you um even when you have the experience sometimes you're like well mm-hmm. like okay i can say i've seen this but did i like did i handle it well right you know what i mean like obviously you know a lot of times like okay well i'm just learning from mistakes because right i was tossed into a situation that i maybe wasn't prepared for mm-hmm. um so anyways i just like i don't think that experience don't let experience be like a a prerequisite to deciding that you should learn anything because mm-hmm. as you go learn it again, mental models, predictability, like, and you'll have, they'll be armed with way more information. Um, yeah. And so, and even then experience, experience is very, um, 
specific, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, if, like, uh, that's why even like when I choose instructors for the medical courses, I, I it's not that I'm against um, having nurses like do those things. Bless you. Thank you. Um, having nurses do those things, but it's like having people who are used to point of injury care, like paramedics, firefighters, you know, like, and just because it's like, it's a, again, the the experience is a little bit more relevant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and trust has to be specific. So when I trust people to teach that class, to get to, to be able to use that vehicle, to traverse that terrain, to get students at a particular destination, mm -hmm. um, I'm trusting them like with that, with, with that program. So, and trust has to be specific, right. you know, um, I would, I would trust a lot of people with my life, but not with my money or my wife. You know? <laughs> <There> you <laughs> so, <know. laughs> and so like, let's, let's not pretend, you know, that, right. that, you know, one should necessarily qualify you for the other. Right. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, uh, I want to be respectful of your time because I'm sure you got other shit to do. Um, as far as uh, the social media and, and whatever else, like what is the easiest way for people to find you and, and learn more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, easiest way is probably just uh, on, on the old gram on Instagram, uh, Doc Nate Jones, and uh, that's – that's my, my call sign, my handle, whatever, whatever, right. whatever makes it sound cool. It's not, but <laughs> it's Instagram. But anyways, that's, yeah. uh, and I, and I, 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 uh, I like answering questions. It's like, I'm mm -hmm. super specific about how I spend my time on there. Cause I have to do it for work, mm -hmm. um, obviously. And so I don't, I don't like being on there, uh, a ton, mm -hmm. but the time that I do spend on there is, you know, tossing up a story, maybe a post every once in a while. But I like, I really actually like, I answer questions. I actually keep in touch with a lot of students. Oh, nice. Um, that like they have kits that they've bought, or I had a lady just the other day, and that was a in one of the personal security classes that was like was attacked, mm -hmm. and so she had a post, to, you know, about how grateful she was that she was able to get through it the way that she did because mm -hmm. because of the class. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what could be more rewarding than someone right. managing a situation well or as well as an impossible situation that is managed as well as it could be, mm -hmm. okay. you know, with a little bit of foresight, a little bit of planning and training and preparation. Uh, so I love that. I love people that are like, hey, you know, I took a med class and I, I just rolled up in the scene of this accident. You know what I mean? And what you said was true. Nurses did get in my way. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyways, so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's what makes it rewarding for me is, right. is to be able to do stuff like that. So anyways, and I love answering questions. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's probably the easiest way. Awesome. Well, I greatly appreciate your time. I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk. This was fantastic. Yeah, thanks for letting me hang out. Absolutely, man. You take care. Final thing for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially being a father of five. Okay. What's your Round best dad advice? My best dad advice? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, it, it, you know what? I think it's it might be the same the same thing for, for like, training, mm -hmm. right? It's, like, what, what does my end state look like? Um, like, sometimes I think that it's hard to get wrapped up in the phases of life. Um, I've got a, a five-year-old to a 14-year-old. And so, like for my 14, you know, my 14-year-old, for example, is, is the one that I think that tests me the most because it's always uncharted territory. Um, and she's my only girl. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got four four boys. So, um, again, op opportunity costs. I mean, like pick my battles of, I'm like, man, you know, I could, I could hold this line. I could do this. You know, I could expend all this leadership capital, right. you know, on, on certain issues. Like, but at the end of the day, I'm like, what are the things that matter most? Um, and I'm like, I, like my wife said at one time, she's like, Hey, I, I want us to, 
to build a home that my that our kids want to come back to. Right. You know, and uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, like for whatever reason that kind of hit me. And so we, we do that a lot. We anyway, that's what we talk about. We talk about building the home that the kids want to come back to, people over tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like this in this hardest ba- the hardest balancing act is 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 remembering who my daughter was while dealing with who she is and preparing her for who she's going to be. You know, and and taking you know, <laughs> taking that totality of of, of circumstance, you know, right. into effect of I can't I can't do anything now managing who she is that is gonna set her up for failure or compromise who I want her to be. Right. You know, and um anyways, and, and not and while and and to get good at that, you know, I can't always cling to who she was. Right. You know? Uh so anyways, it uh yeah, that's my. That is a fantastic answer. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm dealing. That's what I'm dealing with right now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, again, we just appreciate you being here. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, you can now support the Non-Victim Nation by donating via listener support directly on Spotify. Remember, the story of your life is being written right now. And you are the hero.